Well, Blake's not here this week, Dylan, so are you ready to have a 30-minute episode of this podcast? It's going to be great. It's going to be great. There's going to be... <laughs> it's going to be logical. I now see why most podcasts are two-man for the back and forth. I really do. Yeah. Um, I also, I, th- I think he's he's upset because he blew a very large lead because we're now all tied in the prediction series after this weekend. To be fair, he and I both did. You were like four back, but like you somehow... Yeah, come back in the century, baby! Apparently you and Don Callis are the same person because you got all the impact <laughs> one right. We all basically did the same for... I think we all did about the same for Mania, or for uh, WWE. It's just that you got TNA, right? Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. On accident. I was like, there's no fucking way Eddie Edwards is getting it. Oh, what? I just love your I just love your, your message and all of us. I've never been more sad to be correct about anything. <laughs> Fight Boys, it's a show about professional and not-so-professional wrestling. I'm your host, the bad boy of podcasting himself, Scotty Moore. I am mildly okay with doing this production, the Dylan. And my name's Blake Tanner. I fucking lost. Uh, so wrestling happened this week. Blake's not here because... Because he probably had to watch Seth Rollins poke out a man's eye and was like, I think I'm good. I think I'm good this week, actually. Better family stuff. You know, one of the two. One of the two. Well, let's think about Blake. It's probably because he watched. And um, I, I don't, I'm not a medical doctor, but that ain't how fucking eyes come out, y'all. Like, you can't just poke him in the eye with the steel step. And it, it's not like he did a stomp into it, which I think would have been really dope. I thought that was what they were going to do. That's why I didn't watch the clip, and then I, I'd, like, fast forward to the end and be like, that's not what happened? That's not... He just fake vomited over nothing? Yeah. <laughs> he he put his eye up to it, and then Ray started freaking out for no reason. Then Seth walked up like, all right, I'm Big Bad Seth Ro- uh, 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 And then he started puking. And I'm like, Seth, what did you think the end of the match was gonna be, my dude? So, uh... So on, I think it was on WR, uh, Melser was talking to Jack Evans, and he was like, so um, would you make an offer to Rey Mysterio if you were AEW? And he was like, yes, and then I would double it. Yeah! <laughs> yeah, And yeah. I, I want nothing more than for Rey Mysterio to come out with, like, a patch on his mask and then take it off <laughs> as a fuck you. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, and apparently it was going to be a lot worse. Apparently they had makeup artists and they were going to do CGI. And Vince McMahon, in the first great decision he's made this year, said, absolutely not. No. So all we got was Ray holding a Party City eyeball up to his mask, covering it up as much as possible, and Seth Rollins vomiting everywhere. Good work, WWE! And then uh, there's a I guess reason, the, I, reason their ratings are tanking more than ever. Yeah, and it's, it made me mad because it was a really fucking good match too. It was a really good match, and then nothing. The whole pay per view was solid. It was just 
so fucking weird. Like, there was just bizarre moments. Like, Sasha wins the title, but she doesn't, and then... I don't know if you know this. If I went into a wrestling ring and and beat up Drew McIntyre, and then you came in, also beat him up, and then put on a referee shirt and counted, I wouldn't be WWE champion. (laughs) I just want to throw that out there. That is assuming that we would have the power to beat up Drew McIntyre in the first place. He would pick me up and throw me at you. Yeah, but then I would pick you up and hit you while also hitting a black hole slam with you on him. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so at least we have a plan. We've got a plan. It's a terrible plan. That'll never work. But Um, and then even. The swamp match, I'm happy exist because now I have the first ever this is all right, uh, cinematic wrestling match. Because usually they're either really good or really bad. This is the the, first one I ever went. What was the bit with Alexa Bliss? I, like, saw the footage, but not the audio. Um, well, uh, fuck. So, Braun goes into the swamp, Bray's there, Bray disappears, then some random people who Evil Uno have confirmed were not Dark Order members attack Braun. Then Braun comes face-to-face with old Braun, who hits him with a shovel, then Braun wakes up, Bray basically tries to turn him back, and then some shit happens, I don't fucking know, and then he walks towards the lake, and basically, Sister Abigail is there. So Sister Abigail had been, finally they actually used her, and once it got close enough to see it, it was Alexa Bliss. In other words, Sister Abigail was taking the form of what Braun most wanted, which they were saying was a relationship with Alexa Bliss. Don't we all? Right. <laughs> Other than that one asshole who came out a couple of uh, months ago. Uh, but yeah, that happened. Then they fall into the lake of reincarnation. Oh, no, I know, it I know that part where, Br- where Bray is just like, I'm not going back. And everybody's just like, what? like to lose? And then it's like, no, no, no. He was actively fighting. And now the fiend's back. And... Uh, yeah, that I, that was good. That was yeah, actually very was solid. good. Just and also like the quote unquote promo he was telling Braun earlier had all of that. Him just straight up saying like they tried to hide me away, they tried to kill me, but I'm back now, Braun. I'm back. He was playing a babyface essentially, and then at the end he's trying to get out of the lake, which I assume is Bray Wyatt's mindscape, and then gets janked back down. Fiend comes up. Braun Strowman, don't know what the fuck they're gonna do with that <laughs> on SmackDown. He just comes out real wet and is like, yeah, I, I got drowned, but I'm good now because I'm Braun Strowman. I don't even, dude, I don't even know anymore. Yeah. Um, let's see. That's all I have for Extreme Rules. Um, I feel I felt both vindication and sadness when it was revealed that Flair's wife has COVID, and Flair denied being positive for it, but also... I'm fairly sure he might have it. Like he's Rick just like Flair will never will die. Die. <laughs> they reopened Space Mountain. That was the only time when they had it closed. That was when his that was when his phylactery for his lichhood was at its weakest. But <laughs> it's back now. He's at full force. <laughs> So the nerdiest Ric Flair reference of all time, but yeah, uh, he, he, well, yeah, I'm saying, but even if he is positive, he ain't gonna die from it. But like, the day Ric Flair dies is when we know what will kill Superman. That's. <laughs>
let's see. Uh, Booker T came out and said a lot of bullshit about Naomi. Which it was only half bullshit. It was rude. It was poorly worded. But Naomi does need work to be at the same level as like the horse women or like Shayna Baszler or any of the Joshi wrestlers. You see where I'm going with this. I feel like, though, it's also she doesn't get enough time to actually try to be like, what was her world title reign? three days like she was not champion for long at all they rarely give her opportunities like that's i think to be fair it is possible to do a lot with a short amount of time again see all the people i just listed yeah and i I think she's had some solid matches none that i could name off the top of my head because they weren't they weren't fantastic matches it wasn't like john cena versus rollins versus brock at the rumble it wasn't anything big like that but it's not that she was bad Guess who also was just all right when she came to the main roster? Fucking Bailey. And then they gave her opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. And finally, she's fucking killing it and doing the most unique heel work I've seen in a very long time. Here's the thing. It's just Naomi. Hear me out. Uh, One, Bailey proved she could do really good down in NXT. Two, Naomi's been on the roster for like eight years. Yeah, but what has she gotten the opportunity to do in that time, is, is, is my is it, thing, other okay, than that so here, world here, title. Hear me out. I agree. We should give everybody good. What has she earned the right of an opportunity to? Uh, what did, like, Charlotte earn the opportunity? She, At was, some she point- was born Ric Flair's daughter. We've been over this. <laughs> yeah. Literally so many times. She got better I from just, there. I- like, it's a 50-50 now. But, like, at the beginning, you know that she was clearly talented and also. It's like Cody. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I think with Naomi, she, uh, one, has to work against being a woman where it's, you only get, what, 15 to 20 minutes on the show, unless you're one of the horsewomen. Um, And then also being an African-American woman. Like, she has so much in that company systematically holding her back so like so i think like that hashtag that originate naomi deserves better i don't think that was a lot of people coming out and i think booker was looking at it like oh they just trying to make her world champion with this fancy dancy hashtag shuggy duggy quack quack that's not what they were saying they were simply saying like give her an opportunity put her somewhere hell do it uh she was team it was her who was her in team bad it was her sasha and tamina wasn't it yeah yeah put her and tamina back together no, team don't bad do that reunion to her. don't do that to her i like tamina good for I, you i really do <laughs> and give her a shot give her a shot at the women's tag title if nothing else anyways um let's see keith lee abdicated the north american championship thus making a move that i wish new japan would do um yeah oh uh by the by the way speaking of uh people who deserve better mustafa ali um anyways as you were saying keith lee at least he has a sweet t-shirt and a snarky tweet oh what did he tweet he he was like please buy this shirt that way you don't not see me on tv for seven months (laughs) that's so good 
Uh, which yeah, one? Keith, it, which Keith Lee ab- abdicating the North American Championship? Uh, series. Three triple threat matches for a triple threat at TakeOver 30, which looks like a porn logo. Looks like a porn parody logo. They put flames over it. Everybody's like, oh, WrestleMania. WrestleMania 30 was clearly New Orleans theme. This legitimately, I can't tell you how much like a porn logo this. They use the same colors. I don't know if they consulted browsers, but like it looks like it. Yeah. And it's it's so it's so bad. Anyway, two triple to go into the three triple threat matches. Bronson Reed won the first one. I forgot who he was. I legit forgot who he was. I forgot. Um, I forgot Jonah Rock was a thing. Yeah, and then Balor's probably winning. I, I've, no, I've no, got no, a no. Whole, it's going to be the I, three. It's every one of them is going to be the least. Likely. Likely person. So I I forget who is Dexter Loomis. Dexter Loomis is the next North American champion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no. I've got a whole plan later we're going to get into. Jesus Christ, I I forgot about this. When I talk inappropriately too much about uh, about booking. Um, AEW, the only real news that I super want to talk about is coming later. Cool. uh, Here, let me break down the show for you. Uh... Uh, Diamante faced uh, Ivalice in what can only be described as what happens when you choose the second skin for the same character. Um, <laughs> they used that graphic, too, where they both had the bandanas up around it, and people were just like, what the hell, dude? It's like it's like Scorpion versus Sub-Zero. Uh, that happened... Or, Car- oh. or Carmella and Liv Morgan. Yeah. Uh, she did a role... Uh, roll up but on dark she hit a she hit a the best goddamn code red i've ever seen like in that wasn't like a setup one it was like in mid stride off the ropes boom like uh uh beautiful uh that match happened adam page beat five uh and then when Brody lee was like hey you know, you're here alone. Your partner's not here. I ain't interested in joining no cult. Yeah, I'm not man. at a point in my life where I want to join a cult. Uh, then FTR saved him and hit hit Stu Grayson with a uh, styrofoam thing full of beer. And uh, that's that is probably the most interesting like addition to what's going on with FTR and the Bucks and Kenny and, and Pages. FTR just being like, "This is our fucking drinking buddy now. I don't care." Uh, I would like to point out, so, like, I can't guarantee it'll be next week. But Kenny and Paige are going to drop the titles to the Dark Order. Because before the whole quarantine thing happened, that was where it was going. I thought it was almost a certainty that at Double or Nothing, that was what was happening. But then, you know, uh, life happened. But no one needs the tag titles more than the Dark Order. And plus, if FTR are playing faces now, tweeners, them beating the Dark Order is fine. Or the Bucks beating them and then FTR being... It doesn't have to be uh, linear. But the Dark Order are going to win. And then that's going to be the breaking uh, point. Yeah, I was going to say, would you hotshot it, have the... I guess Kenny heel turn because yeah. that's kind of the way it's oh, been. Yeah. Okay, the washer's coming, man. Oh fuck, Kenny and the Bucks versus Page and FTR. Yeah, that is a future main event, and I'm very. I'm actually really pissed. I missed this week's episode because all of it looked good. Oh yeah, none no, of it, it. Was, it was a house of fire. Like 
every segment. Like, I thought it was going to be a really weak one. And fuck if they did not prove me completely and utterly wrong. Sammy Guevara's back. He dressed up as Serpentico for some reason. But <laughs> Yeah. Like, somebody somebody wrote, like, Tony Khan, that's not Serpentico. How would you know, Tony? Have you seen Serpentico without a mask? Maybe, maybe he's been Serpentico the whole time. Forget the forget the foot height difference. But other I than that, lo- I love how Serpentico's I get a girlfriend or wife tweeted a picture of them backstage, and Serpentico retweeted it and said, "Is that Sammy?" <laughs> that was the whole tweet. He's his his Twitter game is 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 limited but strong, very strong. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's that. There's a good main event for next week. Uh, I didn't listen to the promo of. So, like, uh, we're getting Darby Allen and John Moxley versus Cage and uh, Ricky Starks. By the way, Ricky Starks for uh, theme song of the year. I haven't heard it yet. Oh, my I, I God. Haven't. Fucking, fucking, you do this to yourself, okay? Okay. Oh, my God. Ricky's, Ricky Starks fucks. That's his entire persona. <laughs> That's his gimmick. He just comes out and you're like, yep. He wears he wears like rock, 90s rock s silk shirts outside of of yeah. when he's wrestling and oh uh, and like he, it doesn't look like a tribute it looks like he just bought those off the rack and he was like yeah I can pull this off and he was right I'm sorry I'm listening to Ricky's theme song right now and holy fuck this slaps yeah oh yeah AEW is doing real well with it but uh, yeah we get we get the that tag match it's it's been really good i'm 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 really excited they're like they're killing it right now it's really weird after the the pay-per-view stuff is now what i'm the most interested i think everybody is i think it's because the whole cycle leading up to it was fucked and thus this was tainted yeah whereas now i, that, I think it's, whereas now that think... everything is like don't get me wrong the entire country's still on fire but like they have everything under control like, yeah, and I also feel like I mean we've discussed in the past it, it, where the where they're going for a pay per view becomes pretty obvious pretty quickly. I have no which idea. Mean, which well, I mean, I'm saying like once you figure it out, if their storylines you're not interested in, all right, fuck it, I'm gonna check out for a few. There's nothing they can do right now that I'm not interested in. I don't think. I know you're talking about MJF versus Mox, but like. I'm sorry. There's no way they're handing it off to MGF. Oh yeah, not yet, not yet. Like that's uh, which he, is so sad because before, like a Devil or Nothing, that was totally what was going to happen. Like you could feel it, but that just it just set the rhythm off. So I think we're going to get heel Kenny taking it. And I get to watch the I get to watch the AEW reign of whatever he calls himself at this point. Wait, does New Japan not own? Do they own the cleaner? No. Can he not call? Oh well, then he's the fucking cleaner. Yeah, he's they, be. they don't own nicknames. They don't copyright. They're not WWE. <laughs> the only yeah. copyright, the only copyright factions and uh, theme music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, merchandisable well, things. Go into outside and I guess indie slash TNA news. Rusev's looking yoked. Nothing really else to say about that. Um, I, I, I wonder if he signed with Impact. Because they basically scooped up everybody, and that boy's looking jacked. 
And I feel like it was because once he got COVID, they were like, oh, no, we can't use him. Let's hold it off for a few. Or if he signed anywhere. Like, I, I'm kind of curious what the Rusev situation is. So you remember back in the 2000s when, like, TNA was real hot and then they made the mistake of signing all of the WWE talent that was, like, past their prime? So they're trying it again with people that are in their prime and I feel like it's going to work a lot better for them. I we'll we'll get into that later. <laughs> I've got thoughts on that. Um, and then in other news, at Slammiversary, when everybody was like, "Oh, this is going to be nothing but ex WWE guys coming in. It could be an invasion." They pulled the biggest fucking surprise of them all because the rascals come out, and we went, oh, "Okay, here come the good brothers." Nope, Motor City fucking machine guns in the shock of the night who then go on to win the fucking tag titles on Tuesday. Return of the century. Ah, uh, made in Detroit, baby. Yep. I mean, that, they, someone they, po- they looked good, too, which is impressive, because I thought Alex Shelley retired. Yeah, I, I thought so, too. Uh, somebody oh, no, Saban. Up- I thought Saban retired. I think they've both retired numerous times. I think they've Ric Flared it quite a few times. Um, yeah, so, and what was weird is on Twitter, you'd think they'd just be like, one of the most iconic tag teams are back. No, they just said, well, it appears that Shelly has reunited with two tag team partners this year. First, Kushida, and then this. And I'm like, that's not the story. That's not the story here, Twitter. You really fucked it up. Yeah. No, that was that was really cool. The main event one was, I mean, tactically it was two WWE guys. Yeah. Um, what happened with the main event? Because so, like, so here's the w- thing: uh, the 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 person was revealed. It was Rich Swan. All night long, all night. I wish he came out to All Night Long. That's I, I my do too. favorite. And uh, and then there was like another. There was like a big thing. And then holy shit, it's uh, Eric Young. You know, like a very sanity esque look, but bald still. And he's got the beard, so it doesn't look as bad. It doesn't look as I mean, bad. Eric Young is a man who can do fucking anything in wrestling he wants. No, 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 fir- no. We have established he cannot not be bald and not have a beard. He looks like a giant infant. We have established this. <laughs> it is no, a no. Fact. I mean, I, like I remember the first time I saw Eric Young is when he was doing like a comedy gimmick back in. 14 13 somewhere around there and then seeing him become the leader of sanity i went okay this is the weirdest fucking thing on the planet but okay that's cool eric young is like hope he keeps the finisher of like the wheelbarrow neckbreaker yeah yeah that'd be really really good uh and speaking of people that are really really good let's talk about our patrons at patreon.com slash load of bs that's right that's the website where you can support the fight boys and you get access to exclusive content like wrestling history x or you get to see me and blake react to older episodes of jwf monday night war and they're all bad we just watched another one and i came out dressed like stone cold steve austin and it was real fucking bad it was real rough and if you want to see it you can at patreon.com slash a load of BS. Okay, who we tweeting, D? Oh, you said the return. You wrote the return of Dustwatch. I figured we were going to tweet at him about killing Brandon Cutler. Hey, bud, that's been... It said Dustwatch returns for like five months. <laughs> We've just... I, thought, I, thought, I thought we were going through with it this week. <laughs> we'll actually do it this week. Yeah, here, at... Uh... 
at, you know, Sexy Chucky T. Um, I hope you, the Trent, Orange Cassidy, uh, are successful in your plan to kill at, uh, at Cutler. Yes. Uh, kill Cutler on three. One, two, three. <laughs> kill, <laughs> kill Brandon Cutler. Hashtag kill Cutler on three. I did try to get someone to buy a cameo from Nick Gage to tell Chuck to follow us because I'd just love to hear Nick Gage be like, I've worked with this fucking guy back in 2012 and he stiffed me. You should fucking follow him now. (laughs) All right. Well, while I do this, why don't we get into our heels of the week? Um, yeah, you, you can start, because yours is going to be a nice lead-in to mine. Yeah, so I'm going to talk about, you know, we talked about Impact, we talked about Slammiversary. I would like to talk about the worst person working in Impact Wrestling, working for TNA, working for GFW, whatever it was called. Josh Matthews is by far the worst person at his job on television in professional wrestling. Everything you've ever heard someone say about Michael Cole is actually true for Josh Matthews. And I have a lot of respect for Josh Matthews because I saw him shut down motherfuckers at the Impact tapings in Orlando. Just, just using the same dead tone that he uses for all of his commentary, but to just destroy a man. But I can't. There were so, like, I watched clips of Slammiversary, I was like, this would be so good if anyone other than Josh Matthews was talking about this thing. Like, it's... Like, like, they tried to do basically Michael Cole in TNA with him at one point, right? Like, didn't he manage... I don't know who, who he is blackmailing, fucking, or sucking the dick of, but, like... There's no good re- move him backstage. I've heard he's, I've heard from Cabana. He's great at like all the production stuff about knowing it. Like it's very difficult, but he has it all down. But like, this ain't it, bro. This ain't it. Just give me Don Callis and like anyone. Bring back Mike Tanay and, uh, and, and West. Bring them back. Just, you have the money. Who cares? I don't know why that reminded me of one of my favorite, I think it was Art of Wrestling, one of my favorite Art of Wrestling stories, and it was Justin Roberts talking about, like, punk and a bunch of local guys, it might have been ROH, invading a local fed, and Justin goes, I was sitting there just minding my business, and then it was either Cabana or Punk crawled over the barricade, sat next to me, put his arm around me, and said, Hey, kid, we're taking over. <laughs> it just kept going. I was like, fuck. I'm mad Justin Roberts is a creep because he's still one of my favorites. Uh, speaking of, uh, speaking of, uh, I, I've got a new category and it's called heel that I don't want to talk about. And that goes this week to Joey Ryan. Hey, Joey, go fuck yourself. Anyways, onto my heel of the week. Um, and I've, du- I've dubbed them the impact players and it is quite appropriately all of those motherfuckers who got signed that you were talking about earlier, because I feel like I got real, uh, I guess spoiled with Moxley with FTR with all these guys leaving the company and then just exploding and doing the best work I've ever seen out of them because the first one was Slater, which I can't even remember what he's called now. Miller, Heath Miller. He came out to the ring 
and cut a fucking Heath Slater promo. I'm like, I don't know if that's just how you talk or what, but nothing. Ch- he moved a little faster, but outside of that, boy was roughly the same. And the other one, and I hate this because I do love them, but the Good Brothers. They cut a promo basically announcing that they were coming to Impact Wrestling, and it was the most soulless, almost like they were just trying to get business done promo of all time. It's just Gallows being like, the rumors are true. The Good Brothers are in Impact Wrestling. And I'm like, this isn't why people love you. Like, allow them to be the talking shop version of Gallows and Anderson, and they'll work. To be... Sorry, let me let me counter counterpoint. It may be the part where they haven't hit their stride with it. Not everybody like hits the ground running. Like Moxley and FTR, like they had this plan for what they were gonna do whenever they got out. Like for years, they were like, if I ever get out, like this is how I'm going to be. The Good Brothers were not expecting this in the fucking slightest. And with the exception of the fact that uh, b- the big LG is the greatest hustler in wrestling, uh, like, they weren't planning it. It just kind of, like, happened. And I think once they get to Japan and they, like, get everything, everything evens out for them. So I will I will reserve judgment. One, because I, I am, like, I, these are all good workers, good people in the industry. I, I believe in them. And two, because it's Impact Wrestling, like, the production value was fucking awful. Um, yeah. That uh, Heath Slater only... promo was bad, and also he had no mic. You remember that bit of it? <laughs> that wasn't his fault. It's hard to cut a hard, a good promo when you know the equipment's not working. Yeah. Uh, the only thing, like, I got disappointed with the announcement of Talking Shop Mania because I was excited for that. I was excited for, like, oh, they're gonna do basically the podunk uh, georgia version of all out get all of those guys in do a great one-off show but then all of the promos make it seem like five dollar wrestling light and also they got enzo which is very gross to me like i had to, i think gallows straight up they're like why'd you get him and he goes he makes me laugh and i'm like Okay, Gallus, that's cool. Um, I I don't know. Like everything since the Good Brothers left feels very monetary and very sanitized. Like that's why I loved the original Talking Shop. I I hate that I keep pronouncing the G, the hard G in Talking Shop. Talking Shop. I loved it because it was clearly they just got done doing a brutal match at the Tokyo Dome and they just wanted to get drunk and have a conversation. Now it feels like they're taking it seriously, which I know in any other business practice is the right thing to do. But for me, I'm like, it's it's they're losing their edge a little bit, in my opinion. But I, I do agree. Give them some time. Let them hit their stride. But just for this week, let them let them get all their finances in order because they did just lose big WWE contracts. Yeah, uh, that was the other thing was. Uh, I, yeah, and I understand like being a father, money is important, but also you got to bet on yourself and you got to bet on your friends. And the fact that Triple H was able to sit them down and basically 
do a, a used car salesman pitch of like, look, this one's more reliable. You need to stick with this. That fancy car you, that you really want might actually shut down in a few. You need to think about your kids. You need, and like basically manipulating them is just gross to me. Like that whole situation there seems gross to me. There are two Pauls in that company and I know neither of them will ever lie to me. <laughs> Yeah, and that Paul Heyman situation, like, I think th- that's going to be the next Montreal screw job because for me, I like Paul Heyman, and I don't want to believe he's a liar. But then also, there's the entire 30-year history of Paul Heyman as a human being to pronounce it otherwise, but also Vince could be lying. Also, Vince might not know who the fuck he was firing that day. He might have just been throwing darts at a board. Everybody's like, well, Paul Heyman, I would 100% believe that Paul Heyman has just enough strings he can pull. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't I don't know. But yeah, no, the, the bit where they basically had a done deal with AEW and then, like, turned their backs on it. So now, because now everybody's disappointed. Like, you know, the elite are disappointed, their friends or whatever. AJ's, like, fucking flat earther mad that... <laughs> Did you see, oh, this is going to le- uh, go into my baby face of the week, but did you see Orton <laughs> reply to that? I can't remember what the tweet was. The tweet was like, AJ, uh, backstage, they want the news to get out that AJ is not a flat earther. He just finds the conspiracies to be very interesting. And Orton replied to it just like, absolutely not. AJ Styles is 110% a flat earther. Absolutely not. But uh, that does lead pretty well into my baby face of the week, and it is the shining spot in Twitter, in Wrestle Twitter this week, and it's Randy Orton and RJ City having, I don't think, a feud? <laughs> it doesn't seem like a feud. It kind of just feels like they were having fun one night, and it was genuinely the highlight of my night. Um, because I'm trying to find the original tweet from RJ City, because, okay, here we go, here we go. Do, 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 do. Stop at, RJ City tweeted, stop asking when I'm gonna be in a wrestling video game. Maybe ask the video game company when they're gonna pay a deserved price for my charismatic likeness compared to every other bloated hassle on their rosters, which is just RJ being RJ. And I got no fucking clue how Randy got a hold of it. Question, am I a bloated asshole? Seriously, want to know. If I am, then please guide me to a professional nutritionist. I don't want to not, I don't want to be not in a video game because I'm bloated. Shit, heard the cover of that 2K shit back six figures. Wait, checking. Yes, in fact, it does. Kissy face, which I guess is Randy trying to slap down at RJ. The problem is RJ's already on the floor half asleep. So I don't think that's how it works. What? So <laughs> He woke up from a junket stripper. What? Uh, hold on. Let me just. <laughs> Rand- Randy opens the fridge. The words of my tweet still whirling in his head. He looks over at the leftover pastrami sandwich and speaks softly. Hey, nothing you can say. Nothing's going to change what you've done to me. (laughs) Randy replies, wow, Matt Cardona's right. You really are an asshole. Now I can't get that tune out of my head. You hear voices in your head, Randy. They counsel me. They understand. 
Fuck you for doing this to me, bro. This is from Orton. As AJ Styles would say, frick you. Also, he's a flat earther. Let's talk about that. I loved this. Kid, your tweets are all over the place tonight. There's no psychology. Slow down. Let him breathe. Tell a story. RJ being great. Randy, freaking old timers and their stupid advice. Hey, how's your leg slap technique? I know some people that know some people down in NXT could put in a word. And then RJ just put a picture of him saying RJ City resigns with the AWA. It was so good. That's just the highlight of Wrestle Twitter this week, man. Like, I love when people who I don't think they should be talking suddenly get into connection with one another because that's the moment I go like, oh, they do know each other. Oh, wow, this is really fun. Now I now I just missed Randy Orton's old theme song. God, it's so good. In fact, oh, I'm going to Spotify. I'm going to add that to my liked songs. And while I do this, get into your baby face, because holy shit, I'm so happy. So, so for many for for many years, uh, one of my favorite things in wrestling, outside of Kenny Omega, is uh, the idea of someone getting their due. Not like like you know the Kofi Kingston getting his title shot, though that is cathartic. The idea of like somebody who's been working for years getting something there, you know, that they they probably should have gotten a long time ago. In this case, in the first segment of Dynamite, in response to Cody's open challenge, Eddie Kingston, one of the like living indie legends, uh, came out and cut. A fire promo in which at one point he threatened to gouge Arn Anderson's eye out. Yeah. I've realized with his promos, he's kind of like ACDC. It's always going to be the same song, but it's such a good song, I don't care. It's always going to be him being like, you're a wrestler. I grew up in the streets. I've had to fight my whole life, and I'm going to do violent things. It's that every time, but he just finds the way to take that formula, change it up just enough to where it's always fresh and always good. <laughs> it's so good. Then he had a good match. There's a fucking backdrop suplex to the floor. He powerbombed, full powerbomb Cody onto thumbtacks. Full power bomb. He lost by fucking figure four submission because chop blocked to the knee and all that shit. But yeah. like, I was so happy. They were like, the person is Eddie Kingston. Cause like, I was expecting Chris Hero because uh, of the confirmations for it. But like, I saw it was Eddie and I was like, that's a hundred percent better. That's because I've, I've known about Eddie Kingston for years and I've liked Eddie, his one promo and his sweet back fist to the future which is one of my favorite finishing moves in wrestling. <laughs> but uh, I always felt bad because I saw him at the Impact tapings, and I saw him as part of that shitty group with Braum and fucking uh, James Storm. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I he was there. about that. And he didn't get his due. He was there. I remember he, like, escorted people. I, I saw him. I was, like, rooting for him. He jaw jacked with the crowd, and I was just like, I want this man to get his due, and he didn't. He was there twice. He didn't get it either way. Even as a promo where he's like, I'm tired of making stars. I just I just want him to go to AEW because it was the number six trending thing on Twitter in the US yesterday was sign Eddie Kingston. Warhorse, who people have been wanting yes. to be there, tweeted sign Eddie Kingston. I'd, I need you to know the fear that gripped my heart because, like, I want to watch AEW every week now, especially because Warhorse. And my dad came in the room and said, did you see who came out? And I was like, 
please tell me it was Eddie. And he goes, it was Eddie Kingston. I went, oh, thank God. As long as it wasn't Warhorse, I'm fine. Uh, I mean. But yeah, I still haven't watched the match. I really want to, because it's, it's going to be killer. Like, and I'll be honest, I'm impressed with Cody going through fucking thumbtacks and also not having an overproduced match, which I feel like is because he tried and Kingston shut it down. I told you, that's what it takes. In order for Cody to have a good match, a, a not overproduced match, he has to wrestle against somebody who looks him in the eyes and says, no, that's fucking stupid. And there's only <laughs> no, a few people you. in the industry who feel they have enough sway. Eddie Kingston doesn't even have that kind of stroke, but my God, if you're going to tell him no, he'll stab you with a pen. <laughs> <laughs> He's done it before. He says it in his promos. <laughs> well... On to our final. It's not a discussion. Um, I've 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 been watching a lot of Adam books where Adam Blompier basically goes through and rebooks old angles, and I fell in love with it. And earlier Isn't that today, shit from like three years ago, what has he started doing it again? Yeah, he started doing it again. He did it for. He's doing it for uh, not what what not what culture. Uh, Wrestle talk now. Um, they have a second channel called Parts Fun Known, and they're letting basically Adam do whatever the fuck he wants on that channel. Like, he booked the Royal Rumble before the Royal Rumble happened this year. He he got the first five entrants accurate. It was kind of scary to look at. Didn't he guess Brock Lesnar tearing through people? Yeah. He guessed that. He guessed Elias coming out. Like, he guessed Eric Rowan coming out. He guessed all of it in a row. And I, I wait, loved he, it. He and got, er- he, oh, no. He guessed Kingston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, earlier today, Adam Cole. I don't know if anybody thinks it's a shoot at this point, but Adam Cole went on Pat McAfee's show. Pat McAfee, formerly only famous for wearing jorts to wrestlemania and getting yelled at by michael cole over it uh and he was doing great heel work old pat was basically making cole realize that while yes objectively us we know he was putting on good matches but also the undisputed era was very much the reason why he had such a long title reign kept bringing it up kept bringing it up then to a point where adam he called adam cole short cole threw the microphone over and just started screaming and dropping f-bomb after f-bomb before leaving and then pat's just like what the fuck's wrong with that guy this is totally a shoot what's some fun and that <laughs> i, love yeah, it. I and watched that, that and i was like if this was a shoot he's completely justified to hate that man <laughs> Yeah. If this is a work, well done. But if it's a shoot, Pat McAfee can go fuck himself. But I thought that before <laughs> this. It's like, did you watch uh, Dave, the uh, Little Dicky no. show? Okay, the final episode, he goes on The Breakfast Club, and the fucking host just talks shit to him the whole time. And I'm like, I'm happy this is just a fictionalized version of him, because fuck this guy. <laughs> But then you asked me, Scotty, why would they do this unless they're setting up Pat versus Adam Cole at TakeOver? And I'm like, that sounds I did absolutely not say horrid. that. You were not putting not, that evil on me. Oh, it was my me. dad. It was my dad who said that. Yeah, Sorry. Don't, don't you dare put that evil on me. <laughs> uh, and so I actually have done a little fantasy booking. And 
It's inappropriately long, I'm not gonna lie, but it is basically what I think this is building to, and it is the implosion of the Undisputed Era. <sighs> I ask you, please not interrupt, because it will get buck wild, and you will disagree with me on multiple points. <laughs> I'm just gonna leave? This is, this is fantasy? I can live my fantasy however I want. Do okay. I get to run my version after you? Or is this just yeah, a you yeah. end on you a rant and then it. I just have to listen to it? Like, did I lose a bet I'm not aware no, of? No, 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 no. You can have fun after the fact. Okay. I just have built, I've built up this whole story and I'm really excited. So next week on NXT, William Regal calls out Michael, or calls out, I almost said Michael Cole, calls out Adam Cole and says that his actions were not befitting a member of the NXT roster. He went on Pat's show as a representative of NXT. His ego got in the way. And because of that, Cole is now suspended for the next 30 days. During those 30 days, old Roderick Strong starts to take a more active role in the Undisputed Era, basically taking Cole's spot. Leads Red Dragon to success in a number one contenders match against Brizongo in Legado del Fantasma, and it basically feels like a revitalization of what Undisputed Era used to be. Because it used to be all of them going for gold, now it kind of feels like Cole and some lackeys. Um, and then also over those next 30 days, those triple threat matches culminate to build Bronson Reed versus Finn Balor versus Swerve Scott. Two weeks before TakeOver thir- uh, porn is the contract signing for that match and things go awry. Undisputed Era come down, wreck shop, destroy everyone in the ring, including William Regal. Roddy picks up the contract, signs his name. It's now a fatal four way match. Uh, for the North American title. Following week, uh, Undisputed Era take on Balor, Bronson, and Scott, which they win after Balor turns, dropping Scott with Bloody Sunday. And at TakeOver, Undisputed Era lose against Imperium through a DQ, and things come to a head during the ladder match. Red Dragon come out, attempt to even the numbers. They get laid out by Balor, who climbs to the top, hits a coup de gras on O'Reilly, but turns around to a super kick from the returning Adam Cole. Helps Roddy climb the ladder, and Roddy is the new North American champion. Following week, Cole says he's proud for what he's done, refocusing the Undisputed Era, and it's time for them to once again fulfill the Undisputed Destiny, claiming all the gold. In the main event, Undisputed Era have a rematch against Imperium, but in a backstage segment, Cole tells O'Reilly and Fish to attack the new NXT champion, Karrion Cross. And this is just like a funny segment where they're like, hey, fuck that, actually. But Cole demands they attack him. He says they need to find a weak point in Karrion, which no one's found yet. Uh, During his entrance, they attempt to attack him, but Karrion beats the fuck out of him and is about to send them through the barricades when they are quickly rescued by Roddy. But the damage is done. Later that night, Legato del Fantasma replaced them because they are injured and unable to compete, and they win the tag titles from Imperium. Next week, Roddy demands to speak to Cole, says that Cole no longer cares about the Undisputed Era, he only cares about himself, and that those 30 days when Cole was away were the greatest days in the history of the era. Roderick explains that Cole's time is up, there is no saving him now, and Red Dragon attack him from behind, and Adam Cole has been kicked out of the Undisputed Era. 
This sets up Roddy versus Cole for a future episode of NXT, preferably the same week as All Out, because we got to steal their ratings. In the meantime, Undisputed Era is actually starting to feel like the way they did before, with Bobby and Kyle making the save for Roddy without getting much in return. Cut to the big match, Cole versus Roderick. The finish is on the horizon. Both men are exhausted. It's the main event of the show. Cole hits the last shot, but he can't capitalize. Both men are down, and the ref begins to count. But before he hits 10, he's pulled out of the ring by Kyle O'Reilly, who enters the ring and helps Roderick to his feet. Cole pulls himself up on the opposite rope, and Roddy smiles, seeing the down referee, but it gets kicked in the gut and takes a clothesline from Bobby. Cole... The egotist smiles, thinking his friends have come back to his side, but is immediately taken out with tracing the dragon. They drag Roddy onto Cole's body, fake a three count, leave the ring. And the following week, we're going on the road to Survivor Series. Johnny Gargano, Keith Lee, Finn Balor, a returning Tommaso Ciampa and Adam Cole make up Team NXT. And later that night, a... uh, A five-man gauntlet match is going to be made to determine the captain, which is won by Keith Lee after a Big Bang catastrophe on Ciampa. This sets up some infighting, a possible Ciampa heel turn. That's a story for another day. In the meantime, Undisputed Era completely imploded. Red Dragon saying they're the only members of this team who have always had each other's back. They've been brothers for years. They were brothers before NXT. They will be brothers after NXT, and they are not stopping now. Following week, you've got Cole and Strong versus Red Dragon. Cole attempts to leave Strong behind. Regal interrupts, says if Cole leaves the ringside area, he loses his spot on Team NXT. Cole finally has to help a member of the Undisputed Era. Gets back in the ring, gets into an argument with Roddy, leads to Kyle getting the advantage and pinning the North American champion. Regal comes out, says he's proud of Cole. Kyle just pinned the North American champion. And you know what? Fuck it. Bobby deserves a big opportunity next week. Triple threat match between all those members of the Undisputed Era to go on to face Roddy for the title at TakeOver, Survivor's Guilt, or whatever the fuck they decide to call it. During the match, Red Dragon prove that they are brothers they stay on the same page there's not the bullshit triple threat and fighting that usually happens instead they just focus their attention on cole beating him down until the music of diy fills the arena Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa, two of Cole's greatest rivals in his entire history at NXT and his teammates at Survivor Series come out and save him, beat down Red Dragon, Cole hits the Panama Sunrise on Fish for the pinfall, Regal is pissed as all hell, makes the main event next week, Cole and DIY versus Fish, O'Reilly, and Strong. If Undisputed Era quote-unquote win, Fish and O'Reilly get added to the match, And, of course, they obviously win, which leads to a fatal four-way match at TakeOver what-the-fuck-ever that is won by Kyle O'Reilly. Finally gives Kyle a decent singles run in the company, can finally prove himself, rebuild himself as a single star. Cut to the following night, Survivor Series. I'm almost done, I promise. Kyle competes against Daniel Bryan and Bobby Lashley. Karrion Cross com- competes against Drew McIntyre and Daniel Bryan in the main event. And-, and in the main event, we have Team Raw, Andrade, Mustafa Ali, Kevin Owens, Randy Orton, and Samoa Joe. Team SmackDown, AJ, Shinsuke, Cesaro, Braun Strowman, and Riddle. And then Team NXT. 
Near the end of the match, you're gonna get mad now. We're down to Balor, Cole, and Lee on NXT, AJ and Shinsuke for SmackDown, and just Kevin Owens for Raw. Shinsuke goes for the Kinshasa, Big Bang Catastrophe reversal, and pins him one, two, three, Shinsuke's out. Looks like NXT is once again going to sweep the main roster. AJ immediately hits a phenomenal forearm on Lee, but Kevin Owens and him begin to battle back and forth as Lee makes the hat tag to Cole, comes in, all three men stare down at each other until Cole turns around and hits a super kick on Keith Lee, knocking him off the apron. Owens and AJ look absolutely dumbfounded. You look at the crowd, you get the fucking Undertaker shock, you get the um, announcers, but there's one person who is not shocked, and that is Finn Balor. Finn Balor drops down off the apron, flashes the biggest heel shit-eating grin as he can, as Cole uses this distraction to nail a low blow on Owens, disqualifying Cole from the match. Cole has been eliminated. AJ is shocked. Finn comes in, smashes Owens over the head with a steel chair, bloodying him. Now Finn has been disqualified from the match. AJ keeps staring at them, but falls backwards into the pin. One, two, three. Balor offers a hand to AJ, pulls him up. All three men smile and then quickly turn to see Keith Lee staring at them like a raging fucking bull. Balor quickly turns, aims the double guns, AJ and Cole hit tandem super kicks, then Balor picks up Keith Lee with the assistance of the other men, drops him with Bloody Sunday in the center of the ring, AJ picks up the victory. Balor gives his partner a pat on the back, and holds up the two sweet. Balor Club has arrived, and they will not be forgotten. And quick denouement after that, it's going to be two-man power trip. None of these men, like, because the issue that many people would see with this is AJ's a leader, Balor's a leader, Cole is a leader. That's the fucking point. Cole wants to call it the Undisputed Club. Balor wants it Balor Club. Uh, AJ keeps going to call it the OC. Uh, it's literally an insane thing. They try to recruit Owens because the whole storyline is that these men had long historical title reigns. They held important moments in WWE history and then were very quickly forgotten. They will not be forgotten. They even try to recruit Kevin Owens, one of the longest reigning Universal Champions, but Owens denies it, leading to a match. Also, they go between all of the different uh, all, all the different shows because Cole gets them into NXT, AJ gets them onto SmackDown, and uh, Finn re- uh, Finn reveals that he still has a Raw contract, and so he gets them to Raw at TLC. The three people, the three uh, divisions that were fighting each other at Survivor Series have to come together as Lee from NXT, Kevin Owens from Raw, and Daniel Bryan from SmackDown, the WWE champion, face off against Balor Club. Balor Club wins. Cut to the Rumble. Finn Balor takes on Daniel Bryan. Finn Balor pins him, becomes the new WWE champion. AJ and Cole face off against the New Day, but fail. There's some infighting. Finally, the fact that they're all leaders and none of them want to be led by someone else is starting to take over. Uh, And Kevin Owens wins the Royal Rumble at Elimination Chamber. We finally get the implosion of this. Balor versus Cole versus AJ. Then at WrestleMania... 
Adam Cole versus AJ Styles and Finn Balor versus Kevin Owens, a revisitation of one of the biggest rivalries in NXT history. And all of that is because Adam Cole said fuck it, Pat McAfee, a few times. That was Cody levels of overproduction. Like, once you got past the next NXT pay-per-view for, like, SummerSlam, that went so far off the goddamn rails. <laughs> like, holy shit. Nowhere in your rambling <laughs> excuse for a response did you have anything close to an answer. Everyone is dumber for having heard you. <laughs> May God have mercy on your soul. Here, let me tell you what's actually going to happen. Uh, well, that's why I call. That's why I called it fantasy booking because it was a fantasy. The undisputed era is still too much money to break up. They will merely move them to the main roster as poor of challenges because there's nothing there for any of them. They're not going to make Roddy NXT champion. Well, North American champion is what I was saying. Yeah, he's already been North American champion. Nobody gets two reigns. <laughs> uh, they're not going to make him the NXT champion. Uh, they don't see Finn and Fish as a thing. Here's what they might. Here's what they might do. They might move just Cole up. You won't get your story for it. He'll just. They'll just be a quick implosion. He'll go off after like next NXT. Let, let me put it this way: When I was writing it. I got to probably about the point where O'Reilly, because I had to turn O'Reilly and Fish at some point. I went like, oh, they have the longest history, obviously break them apart. Um, but about after that is the moment I went, this ain't fuck it. The minute I wrote the words Balor Club is the minute I said, this ain't happening, but it'd be fun to imagine. That was the part where I hated you. I know, I told you, I warned you, baby. I was like, you're gonna hate me for this Balor Club. You made me listen to 15 minutes of this bullshit. I'm tempted to just, like, make this a separate thing for YouTube. Like, But then people say I'm, people say I'm copying Adam. That's fine. That's fine. As long as the people on the podcast don't have to hear it. I will say, honestly, he's gotten better. Because I watched some of the older videos he's done. And they were overproduced bullshit as well, so that, that I've learned from the best. Uh, his new ones are a lot better. Like the, he did, he rebooked uh, Ambrose's heel turn, and it's very good because it's all about Roman and grief and Ambrose thinking he's doing the right thing and that he's fighting for Roman the entire time. And then Roman comes back and says, "This is not what I wanted." Turns on Roman, Dean Ambrose versus Roman at Mania. It was very, very good. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Fuck. Um, special thanks to Megaran for our theme song, Fighters. No, I just want to get out of here. This is, you've sucked the joy out of this from me. <laughs> I've learned that my joy in fantasy booking destroys other people's happiness, which means this is definitely going to become a reoccurring segment. Now, if you want this show to continue... You think I'm reacting poorly? Imagine how poorly Blake will react to this. And he is within driving distance to come beat your ass. No, no, no. No, no, no. Blake Blake won't be upset. Blake will interrupt every couple of minutes be like, wait, no, you can't. And I'm like, no, shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Oh, no, I'm going to do that next time. You had one chance at a respectful audience. You, you burned that bridge. Uh, the only time, the only part that I said this is probably not how things work is when I had Roderick Strong sign a contract, 
just put his name on it. Like, like that'll do it. That'll put him in the match, right? Yeah. That's how, no, that's, they've done that before. Oh, wait, really? Yeah, I forget who it was, but, like, somebody else came in and signed it, and they're like, it's a triple threat now, and everybody's like, that's not how contracts work. <laughs> well, at least I have a precedent. That's good. All right, well, uh, find Dylan crying in a corner. You can find me on Twitter at Scotty Mo S-C-O-T-T-Y-E-M-O, buy all my books on Amazon, and check out all the other podcasts at a load of PureBS.com. Spe- special thanks. I already did that at the thing. beginning. Oh, okay. I'm just gonna you really... instead of saying anything, I said special thanks to Mega Ran. Yeah, d- d- double thanks to Mega Ran for our theme song fighters and for our theme song fighters. And as always, you can find us at a load of purebs.com. Step up to that merch table at merch.loadofpurebs.com. Find us on Facebook, donate to the Patreon, subscribe on YouTube, and remember to follow us on Twitter at Fight Boys Show Chuck Taylor. Damn, that feels good to say again. And because when you're a fight boy, you're a fight boy for life.